If you would please open your Bibles to the book of Jonah. We are in Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 17 of chapter 1 and then read through the second chapter. And I want to remind you that this is not a myth, this is not a fable. People who think that are just not thinking rightly. This is the truth. It is an historical event that is recorded for us in God's Word precisely because it is miraculous. Jonah wasn't one of several people in the Old Testament who was swallowed by enormous fish and after three days got spit out. This is a one-time deal. This was a special event. And if your worldview does not accommodate the creator of all things intervening from time to time in his creation because you fail to recognize that God is the one who continually upholds his creation with the word of his power, that if it weren't for him, this whole place would just disintegrate. It would explode into countless pieces. If you don't understand that, then you just are ignorant of the truth. So get educated by going to God's word and learning what is true, what is real. Everything else goes away. The word of the Lord endures. Jonah chapter 2, starting in chapter 1, verse 17. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath me barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. I don't know how many of you really enjoy fishing. I don't know how many of you really enjoy eating fish. We have a beloved relative who early in life was turned off by fish. It just, I don't know if she got some bad fish or just, you know, just genetically was predisposed not to like that flavor and texture. But 
I'll tell you this, being half Norwegian has probably prejudiced me toward liking fish. I heard a comic say that he had his DNA done. He was half Norwegian and half butter. <laughs> and, and I can relate to that. But, um, you know, fish, since I was a little kid, I, I like fish. But I don't like their insides, you know? I don't cook a fish whole. I want the guts out. How'd you like to live in the guts? Okay? When we spent five years in Chatham on Cape Cod, um, we ate fish all the time because we had a bunch of fishermen in our church. And it was delicious, fresh fish right off the boat. It was a great experience. But you see, they would clean the fish for us and give us the fillets. That's the way I like fish. Okay? I like it with all the insides gone. I um, can only gag at imagining what it would be like to be inside the belly of the fish. Imagine that. How do you think it smelled? Like fish guts, right? I mean, that's what fish guts smell like. They smell like fish guts. So if you're in the gut of a fish, it's going to be unpleasant. And Jonah was inside the belly of a fish. And he was thanking God for it. Why? Because the Lord had provided this fish to save him. Jonah describes his situation. He said, I, 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 when they threw him overboard, you remember that? When they threw him overboard, he started to sink. He said, man, I swam as far as I could and as long as I could, and eventually I got a cramp and I started to go under. No, there's no indication in the text or in our knowledge of that culture, even still today, that Jonah would have been somebody who knew how to swim. So everybody knows how to swim. No. It's amazing how many commercial fishermen do not know how to swim. Guys who are out on the water every day making their living, but they don't swim. They want to be in the boat, not in the water. I was very surprised by this myself. I did not grow up in a family that was on the water or had a pool or that kind of thing. Our neighbor had a wading pool. And I thought it was just luxurious to be able to go over there and sit in their little pool when I was a child. It was just, you know, oh, this was so nice. It's like being in the bathtub and not having to get out because we've got five people and only one bathtub. I could sit out there as long as I wanted, and I just thought it was wonderful. I remember thanking my neighbor, thank you for letting me sit in your pool. It was just a little pool, but I was just a little kid. When I was nine years old, I went to Camp Agape in South Carolina, and they had a large mud puddle that they called a lake. And, um, and, and I, got to, I got to swim. I got to learn to swim. They taught me first the dead man's float, and then 
you know, once I'd begun to feel a little more comfortable in the water, they learned, they taught me how to get around in the water, okay? I was not a good swimmer when I came home from five or six days at Camp Agape, but at least I was less likely to drown, okay? When I was 11, some of my friends started inviting me to swim in their pools, and I loved it, loved it, but I still wasn't a good swimmer. When I married my wife, now I, by this time, I'd gotten a little merit badge for swimming, you had, had to do that. I don't, I don't know how in the world I passed. I passed most of it doing, uh, you know, lying on my back and kind of going like this and, and going from one end of the pool to the other. I was just not a good swimmer. Um, I, I, I actually passed life-saving when I had to work at a camp in Virginia the summer I turned 16. I got a Red Cross life-saving thing. I knew how to lifeguard and save other people. I mean, God carried me through. Thankfully, both for me and for any person who would have been drowning, I never had to put those skills into practice. But when I married my wife, I decided, because she was a good swimmer, I decided I needed to become a better swimmer if I'm going to be the man in this relationship. So I signed us up for a swimming course at uh, the local YMCA. They had a lovely facility, a beautiful pool. And I was the only man in the class. That was embarrassing. But that upped the pressure because now, you know, I'm the only man in the class. I can't be the worst swimmer. So it was, it was called an intermediate swimming class. That was really stretching it to call me an intermediate swimmer. But I got in that class and um, the teacher, she was in her 60s. She taught for the Red Cross for years. Now she's at the YMCA teaching us how to swim. And she said, the first thing I want to do is get an indication of your swimming ability. She said, let me see you swim from this side. Everybody line up over here in the water. You're not going to dive. Just line up in the water, that side of the pool, and I want you to swim to this side when I blow my whistle. She blew her whistle. I swam over there, and I was in the middle of the pack as far as finishing. Bunch of women beat me, but I beat a bunch of women. So there I was. My heart was probably oh, beating about 120 beats a minute just from swimming from one side of the pool to the other. This isn't even lengthwise. And, uh, and she said, okay. She said, uh, now let me see you swim back. Well, boy, I was like, I don't want to swim again for half an hour. But I, man, I, I swam. And again, I was toward the middle of the pack when we got to the other side. She said, okay, now we're going to isolate your stroke. She said, I want you to uh, take this flotation device, put it between your ankles, and swim over to the other side. I was the first one over there. With my ankles held up with a flotation device, zoom! Ha! Now I'm getting my second wind. Yeah, this is, this is good. And then they, she said, okay, put those up on that side and take the kickboards, okay? And she said, put those out in front of you, and I want you to kick your way over to the other side. Well, everybody else takes off, and I'm still stuck over here on the side. And she says, everybody stay there, stay there. Uh, Mr. Wood, um, could you come a little way away from the wall there and toward the middle so I can see what you're doing? So I, you know, made my way out toward the middle of the pool, put the kickboard out in front of me, and I started kicking and very slowly moving backwards. (laughs) 
She said, I have taught swimming for over 40 years. And she said, I have never seen anyone do that in my life. She said, I'm not even sure how you're doing that. And she said, I will try to teach you to kick, but for now, your best bet is just let your legs drag behind. (laughs) Isn't that sad? But it's true. I'm not exaggerating. My wife can verify this account. Terrible swimmer here. Jonah was worse than me. I at least know how to float. Jonah sank like a stone. He describes himself as having seaweed wrapping around him. And he says, the only thing that kept me from going any deeper was I got down to the bottom. That's what he says. That's what he says. He says, I was barred in by the roots of the mountains. Okay? In other words, the mountains here, and it goes down into the sea. And he says, I got there. I got to the bottom. Some years ago, I, I, I had taught a number of people to swim, including my own children, and they all became good swimmers. But those who cannot do, teach. And so we had a student here at the ranch, and he wanted to learn to swim. And so I said, man, I can teach you. And he said, well, Okay. Thank you. We took him to a pool. The ranch didn't have a pool at that time. We took him to a pool in in, uh, Pigeon Forge. I got permission to use it to teach this boy how to swim. Mr. Andrew went with me. He was a youngster himself, but um, early teens. He stood there in the water. The other kid got in, and I said, now the first thing we're going to do, Kelvin, is teach you how to float. Okay? And I said, so now you just... you." you, you take a, a, a deep breath, and Andrew's going to pull his arms out from underneath you, and, and you're just going to float there in the water. And, I mean, that's, a good, that's how I learned when I was nine. So Andrew pulls his arms back, and this guy just goes. <laughs> I said, pull him up, pull him up. Andrew pulls him up, and he's sputtering and coughing, and, and he was like, yes, sir, yes, sir, okay, I'll try again. Same thing happened, just zoop. Down to the bottom. Some people don't float. Jonah was one of those people. Okay? Jonah was one of those people. I mean, chalk it up to bone and muscle density and no adipose tissue. Maybe he was in great shape, but he couldn't swim. And he sank to the bottom. And he knew, I'm going to drown unless God rescues me. And he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord rescued him. The Lord provided, chapter 1, verse 17, a great fish. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. What's it like inside there? Well, it smells like fish guts, because it is. What do you do for three days and three nights? Well, I don't know, read a book, listen to music. You know, you can't do that. There's no music, and not only is there no book, there's no light. It's total darkness. He couldn't even see what those other things in there with him that the fish had eaten. Imagine! 
Imagine. Three days and three nights. And God didn't tell him on the first day, hey buddy, just two more days after this and you got it. He didn't know what was going to happen. He just knew that if God hadn't sent that fish along, he would have drowned. And so what he did was, he sang praises to God. This prayer that he prayed is a song. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. All what? All your waves and breakers swept over me. Why? Because God owns and controls the seas. The currents in the sea are controlled by God. The currents in the air are controlled by God. Everything is controlled by God. He said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. Lord, I'm looking for you. God could see him where he was, but he felt cut off from God, and yet he knew he was rescued by God. He was able to be grateful for where he was because it sure be where he could be and where he had been. And so he's praising the Lord. He describes what he went through and he says, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. What do you do when you're in a mess? I mean, do you you pray? Some people curse. Bad move. Bad move. Some people try and just figure it out for themselves. Stupid. How'd you get in this mess? Well, I just wasn't paying attention. And you think you're the expert to get yourself out? A lot of people will try and lie their way out of a problem or sin their way out of a problem. Insane. Totally nuts. Why are you in that problem? Well, but I I don't see any other solution. Have you thought of maybe asking someone who's wiser and more powerful than you? You're never going to improve your situation by sinning. You may think, well, if I, I, I just do this, then that'll take care of it. No, it won't take care of it. Just adds to your problems. No, no, no. If I can lie and tell them this, then, you know, it all goes away. No, it never goes away until you repent. He remembered the Lord. And so he cried out to the Lord. And the Lord rescued him. And so there in the darkness, he looks forward to the future. 
I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I avowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, throw up. How do we know that's what God commanded him? Because that's what he did. When the word of the Lord came to Jonah, Jonah disobeyed and ran the other way. When the word of the Lord came to the fish, the fish did what God commanded and vomited him up on shore, onto dry land. Can you imagine? You're down there at the shore having a nice little time with your grandchildren. Okay, it's a pretty day, and all of a sudden, this giant fish appears coming toward shore, and you're like, huh, huh, I've, I've never seen a fish like that before. And all of a sudden, the fish goes, wah! And out comes a man, covered with slime, and whatever else is in a fish's guts when he vomits. I don't think I'd stay around and say, what's your name? You know, I'd say, get in the car, get in the car, <laughs> you know. I mean, this is the creature from the Blue Lagoon. I mean, this is awful. What in the world? We don't know what Jonah looked like when he got out of the fish, but I doubt if he looked like he was going to a party. You understand? Three days and three nights in the belly of a fish, and he gets delivered to shore in a torrent of vomit? Sometimes God, in his mercy, will put us in a dark situation. Jonah was certainly in a dark situation. And he didn't know how long it was going to last. Think about some other folks who were in a dark situation. And they didn't know how long it was going to last. Remember a guy named Noah? Oh, that's another one of those miracle stories. I don't believe that one either. Well, then you're being very foolish. It's a true story. Second Peter chapter 3 says that the people who ignore the truth of a universal flood are doing so at their own peril. Noah was in the ark for over a year. What was it like in the ark? Oh, I, I bet it was nice. They, they'd worked on it for, you know, decades. <laughs> I, I, bet, I bet they made it really nice in there. Yeah, okay. Imagine if you spent over a year in the barn with the animals and you couldn't go outside and the animals couldn't either. How would that be? Uh, smelly. Yeah. Yeah, smelly. And dark. And dank. And, I mean, kind of like the inside of a fish. Jonah was in there for three days and three nights. Noah was in the ark for over a year. Joseph was in prison for multiple years. But you see, Noah and his family were saved 
by being in that ark. And Joseph and his family and a whole host of others were saved because he was trapped down there in prison. Wasn't a happy situation. Joseph wanted out. He didn't like being there. But God had him right where he needed to be so that at just the right time, he would become the prime minister of Egypt with a plan from God as to how to save the lives of so many people, including himself and his family. Dark situations. Difficult things. But none compared to Jesus on the cross. And yet, even though it looked to his disciples and his family as if everything is lost, all our hopes are crushed. No, Jesus was crushed for us. He endured the wrath of God for us. So, what do you do when you're in dark times? Praise God. Do what Jonah did. Praise God. Worship Him. Thank Him for the fact that even though you may not feel comfortable where you are, it sure beats where you could be. I don't deserve to have life so good. And when I've been through the darkest, most difficult things in my life, I had to remember, I don't deserve to have it this good. I don't. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages that we have earned is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Give him thanks. Whatever you're going through, and people go through hard things. I mean really hard things. But whatever you're going through, God promises salvation to those who call on him. Jonah didn't know that he was about to be delivered through the fish's indigestion. Okay? He didn't know. But he had confidence that somehow God was saving him and that he would have the opportunity to make sacrifices to God. He couldn't do that inside the fish. But he believed he was going to get out. He said, I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you, and what I have vowed, I will make good. Lord, I've told you while I'm here, if you'll just get me out of here, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. And he says, I really mean it. I really will. And I believe you're going to get me out of here. And God said, you're right. And he told the fish, throw him up on shore. And the fish obeyed the word of the Lord. You and I need to be like the fish, not like Jonah.
When the word of the Lord comes, we need to obey it. Obey it. You won't regret obedience. You will regret disobedience. When the Lord rescues you, even if it's still dark and smelly, give him thanks and praise. Father, we come before you this day as worshipers of the God who saves. Thank you so much. Your salvation is perfect. Thank you for taking us out of the miry pit and delivering us from evil. Thank you that because of Christ Jesus, our debt has been paid. We worship you, Lord. We praise your name. Help us to love you wholeheartedly, to serve you devotedly, not trying to earn our salvation, but offering you thanks for what you have done for us. And we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.